Just as a disclaimer, we want you to know that some of the movies that we will be reviewing were shot in a different time and era where people of race and sex were not treated equally. We understand this and hope you do too. The movies or anything that happened on the sets are not the views of this podcast or what this show is intended to be all about. Exactly. And we want to give due diligence in presenting the movie and not the views of the cast or directors or anyone involved. But we also feel it's necessary to let the audience know some of the background information to get a feel for what was happening at the time of shooting the film. Again, we hope you understand that we do not agree with everything that went on and we just want to give out the information. And with that being said, hope you enjoy the show. Callister family left on their Christmas vacation. Did we miss the flight? No, you just made it. Yeah! They forgot one small thing. Have yourself. I've a terrible feeling. Christmas. Did you lock up? Let yeah. yourself be light. Do we set the timers on the lights? Mm-hmm. What else could we be forgetting? Our troubles will be out. Kevin! <laughs> Home alone. Police in the northern suburbs are on the lookout for a pair of burglars who are calling themselves the Wet Bandits. We know that you're in there. It's Santa Claus and his elf. Get off my property. This is my house. I have to defend it. Where's your mother? My mom's in the car. Where's your father? He's at work. What about your brothers and sisters? I'm an only child. Where do you live? Can't tell you that. Why not? Because you're a stranger. He's a kid. I mean, what can a kid do to us? Kids are stupid. I know I was. You still are, Marv. This is it. Ow! I don't care if I have to get out on your runway and hitchhike. I am going to get home to my son. Take your shoes off. Why do you dress like a chicken? Gus Polinski, Polka King of the Midwest. If you have to get to Chicago, we'll gladly drive you. Hey, guys. Yesterday, he was just a kid. But tonight, he's a home security system. You guys give up or you're thirsty for more? From John Hughes. You know, I got a feeling this is going to be your best Christmas ever. A family comedy without the family. Home alone. Are you here all alone? I'm eight years old. You think I'd be here alone? I don't think so. Directed by Chris Columbus, coming November 16th. Hey guys, welcome back to episode two of the 12 Days of Christmas movies. Today we'll be talking about one of my favorites, and I know one that Terrence is about the same age as <laughs> Home Alone. <laughs> So, Terrence, let's take it away. It's one of my favorites, too, by the way. I love this movie. <laughs> ah, Home Alone, day two of the 12 Days of Christmas. Release not, date. Not Home Alone 2. Home Alone. <laughs> I know, Home Alone. <laughs> also. Day two. <laughs> okay. Uh, 
Release date, November 16th, 1990. Uh, so I'm just a couple months older than this movie. <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that is funny. Uh, budget, $18 million. Uh, and if you look at inflation, that's $35.4 million today. Opening weekend, $17 million. Uh, we're looking at $33.6 million in today's money. And then we get uh, Gross USA. This is where the numbers start getting pretty big. So Gross USA, we're looking at $285.7 million, which is $562.6 million in today's money. And then we get Cumulative Worldwide Gross. It was a whopping $476.6 million. Uh, and this movie in particular uh, broke a Guinness's Book of World Records for a highest grossing comedy. And that's that's a feat, just because uh, typically comedies, like even if they do do really well, they typically don't break certain numbers. You said do-do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. And it's not. It's more than just a Christmas movie. It's a comedy. It's a family movie. Absolutely, so I, yeah. I think it had more appeal to a lot of people. That's why everybody went to see it. Exactly, exactly. Uh, but it, it definitely uh, was a comedy for sure. Okay. Yeah, it, it had all those uh, underlying um, things too. And uh, so if you look at the inflation numbers, that's $938.5 million You're closing on a money. billion dollars of today's money. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, this was directed by Chris Columbus, and this was written by John Hughes. The technical specs, we're looking at a runtime of an hour and 43 minutes. The sound mix is Dolby. Uh, this is in color. The aspect ratio is 1.85 by 1. The camera is Airflex 35 BL4. The laboratory it was edited in was Deluxe Hollywood USA. The film length, we're looking at 2,805 meters. The negative format is 35 millimeter. Cinemagraphic process spherical and printed film format 35 millimeter. And now for the awards. And we have awards. <laughs> um, Academy Awards USA 1991. It was nominated. Uh, no winners for Academy Awards. But it was nominated for Best Music Original Song. John Williams for the music. And Leslie uh, Brucey uh, for the lyrics. For the song Somewhere in My Memory. And best music original score, John Williams. I was going to say, is there anybody else that could potentially pull that off? Right. Uh, then we have the Golden Globes, USA 1991. Nominated Golden Globe, motion picture, best motion picture, comedy or musical. Best performance by an actor in a motion picture, comedy or musical, Macaulay Culkin. American Comedy Awards, USA 1991. Now, here's where we start seeing some wins. Uh, they won the American Comedy Award for Funniest Actor in Motion Picture, Leading Role, Macaulay Culkin. And then we have the BMI Film and TV Awards 1991. So I did look a little into this. Uh, BMI stands for Broadcast Music Inc. And so uh, this award pretty much just highlights music and stuff um, in different categories. So the BMI Film and TV is one section of awards. They also have a section for pop music, which was when the BMI Awards were originally founded in 1952. Uh, they had the BMI Pop Awards. And then they also have like BMI Gospel Awards, Country, um, Hip Hop, and so on and so forth. So they have a bunch of different smaller award ceremonies for different types of music. Uh, so this one won uh, the BMI Film Music Award. Obviously, the winner was John Williams. British Comedy Awards, 1991. Winner, British Comedy Award, Best Comedy Film. 
Casting Society of America, USA 1991. Winner, the Atreos. Best casting for feature film comedy. Uh, Jane Jenkins and Janet uh, Harrison. <laughs> Let's pretend I got that right. Chicago Film Critics Association Awards, 1991. Another winning uh, CFCA Award. Most Promising Actor, Macaulay Culkin. What happened there? <laughs> I mean... That kid was on fire for a he while. Was, yeah. I mean, he had this. He had Home Alone 2. Uh, what was it, Uncle Buck? Yeah. I mean, wow. There, there was a handful, and then he fell off the face of the you know the, the celebrity map, I suppose. Well, he went to say. go do his own thing, you and know then, what I mean? And uh, then I think last I heard, he was he was doing pretty well, though. Last I, I heard him on, like, a, a, a gaming podcast, and that's just what he's doing right, right now. Right, and, and, and I don't know how much the uh, Michael Jackson controversy hurt him or helped oh, him. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, that's right. I don't I want to dive into that, that but yeah, of course. I don't know if – I know they were really good friends. You know what I mean? And yeah. I don't know, you know, maybe since his passing it affected him. You know what I mean? So, maybe, yeah. And so we are now on the Golden Screen, Germany, 1991, uh, winner of the Golden Screen. And then winner with a golden uh, goal of the golden screen with one star. Uh, Grammy Awards 1992. They were nominated for a Grammy for best songwriting, specifically for a motion picture for television. Obviously, John Williams uh, for the song "Somewhere in My Memory." Kids Choice Awards USA 1991. Winner of the Blimp Award for favorite movie. And then finally, we have the Young Artist Awards in 1991. They won the Young Artist Award for Most Entertaining Family Youth Motion Picture Comedy Action, Best Young Actor Starring in a Motion Picture, Macaulay Culkin, and they were nominated for Best Young Actress Supporting Role in a Motion Picture, uh, Angela uh, Golithas. Pretty sure I said that wrong. Synopsis. A boy is accidentally left home alone when his family goes on vacation over Christmas. He must protect himself and defend his home against two burglars known as the Wet Bandits. And so now we are off on to the casting. I love how they always argued about, no, we're the Sticky Bandits. No, we're the Wet Bandits. No, we're the Bandits. <laughs> I love it. Uh, them two together, man. I, I, you can't find a more perfect cast duo so than them two. Um, and you know what? I thought it was funny because it was nice seeing uh, uh, Joe Pesci in a in a non mobster role. Yeah, I was just, he that's all he does. Was it Goodfellas Casino? Yeah. He just don't get me wrong though; he's amazing <laughs> in all of those roles. But he, that's typically the only role I, I remember seeing him in. So it, it's cool seeing him in uh, um, something else that's not a mobster. Given you know, he's still a thief in a way. Yeah. Um, so obviously, we have Macaulay Culkin as Kevin McAllister, uh, a rambunctious eight-year-old child with a parchment for creating harmful inventions. Did he win uh, an award? Uh, yeah, he won a couple. I mean, did he win it like anything major? Uh, as far as um, for this movie, no Grammys, no. Because Academy you, Sir award. Macaulay Culkin, you have just earned. A tragedy for the best child performance. <laughs> no Golden Globe. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't win any. He's getting a tragedy, man, ones, because the stuff that that kid did. I think he was. He did what every little boy imagines. You know, what I mean, like oh, robbers yeah. were coming. So yeah. right, Macaulay Culkin, you get the first tragedy of the Christmas season. So we have uh, Joe Pesci as Henry Lim. Uh, a short, hot-headed thief who targets the McAllister's home with Marv. And so uh, here's some of the potential actors that could have played Harry. 
Um, starting with uh, Jeremy Irons. <laughs> I can't see that. <laughs> and so th- this one's actually um, uh, there's there's another part with a long list of names, and this is the first one. So there are so many people who are in line for the role of Harry. Um, other actors also considered for Harry's role uh, was Kurt Russell. Uh, <laughs> Dudley Moore, <laughs> Phil Collins, John Levitz, Rowan Atkinson, <laughs> the Mr. Bean. Can you just imagine? <laughs> oh man, it's I I I can't imagine that one. Oh man, uh, we got Bob Hoskins, Kevin Pollock, Al Pacino, <laughs> Robert De Niro. This is the one I can see. Danny DeVito. <laughs> because they kind of him and Joe Pesci are kind of the same person, I think. If they had a doppelganger, they would probably be the same person. Uh, Michael Bean, James Kahn, Kelvin Klein, Tommy Lee Jones, uh, Ray Romano, John Stamos, Brad Garrett, and Gene Hackman. Those were all the actors that could have potentially played Harry. <laughs> Uh, so many for just that. But but, oh, but once man. you see these two in action, it's, oh, course, it's hard yeah. to see anybody else in those roles. Except Danny DeVito. And, and maybe <laughs> a couple of the other ones that you're going to talk about. Uh, so then we have um, Daniel Stern as Marv Merchants. <laughs> My favorite. Uh, a tall and dim-witted thief who targets the McAllister's home. Oh, Harry. so he's Terrence. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Michael Richards. Which is Kramer from Seinfeld. Yep, I could, could, have played. could have played it with just the hair and everything. I could see it. Uh, and Christopher Lloyd. And then, That would have been interesting. It would have been. And then also uh, someone who was on both for Harry and Marv was uh, Al Pacino. <laughs> <laughs> him and Danny DeVito together would be good. Or him and Joe Pesci. That would have been pretty good, <laughs> too. Pretty yeah. Uh, then we have... Um, John Harold as Peter McAllister, Kevin's father, and you. All right, now give it. All right, I want you to say yes or no when I come to these. Are you ready? Because there's a lot. <laughs> you might have to remind me on who's seventy. Michael Douglas. Uh, who was he in? You don't know who Michael Douglas is? That, dude, I know a lot of faces. It's, it's the names. That uh, I was it Apocalypse Now? Oh, I mean, okay. the older okay. Douglas. Not... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, no. Terrence doesn't know, so we're gonna skip that one. <laughs> Kevin Costner. Kevin Costner. No. Uh, yeah. Okay. Martin Sheen. <laughs> Martin Sheen. No, wait a minute. Martin Sheen was in Apocalypse Now, I do believe. I don't think it was Michael Douglas. Now that you got me thinking about it. <laughs> Dan Aykroyd. Dan Aykroyd. What was he in? <sighs> I know, man. You don't know what Dan Aykroyd was in? Ghostbusters. Oh, okay. Um, in that case. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, Blues Brothers. yes. Uh, Charles Grodin. I'm not really sure who that is. John Travolta. <laughs> no. Tom Skerritt. Tom Skerritt? I don't know who that is. Me either. Bill Murray. Bill Murray, yeah, of course. Jim absolutely. Belushi. Really? Oh, I mean, I guess. Do you know who Jim Belushi uh, is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So I, him and Joe Pesci, I could, I could see. By the, this is this is for Peter McAllister. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, Peter McAllister. This, this is the dad. Right, this is the dad. Who were um, you thinking it was Kevin, the kid? Not, no, no, no. I was, I, I, I was still. Thinking, I am so sorry like, for Terrence's Harry. behavior this episode. He's 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 more off than normal. Uh, long uh, Chevy Chase. Yeah. Harrison Ford. Yep. Tom Hanks. Yeah. Sean Penn. Maybe. Mel Gibson. No. 
Sylvester Stallone. No. <laughs> Boy, can you imagine if it was the, him and the, 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 he found out that the burglars were there and he just came back. Uh, Christopher Lloyd. Yeah. Rick Moranis. <laughs> Rick Moranis. Uh, Dennis Quaid. Dennis Quaid, huh? That'd be a good one. Yeah. Jack Nicholson. No, no. he'd have to play like a grandpa. John Goodman. I can see John Goodman for Robin sure. Robin Williams. Oh, yeah. I think Robin Williams could have played anything he wanted to. That's that. That's very true. Uh, Mark Lynn Baker. Ooh, I have no idea who that is. I know who he is, but I, it's, I'm drawing a blank. Steve Martin. Oh, man. That'd been a good. That would have been a good one. Alan Thick. That would have been okay. Uh, what's he in? Um, oh, man. He had to say that. <laughs> it's coming to me. Uh, Bruce Willis. Wait, what? <laughs> Earth to Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis. Oh, yeah. Okay, we're just moving we're on. Still to the going next on. Yeah, I, I thought you were using Bruce Willis. As no, to tell Bruce me Willis. If I don't know who it is, we're moving on. <laughs> Bruce Willis. Nah, that's right. Because Bruce Willis doesn't do Christmas movies, <laughs> and Die Hard isn't a Christmas <laughs> movie. Boom, <laughs> boom. <laughs> Tony Danza. <laughs> Who's the boss? <laughs> <laughs> Tony Danza. Wow. All uh, right. Dave Thomas. Dave. Dave you know the founder of Wendy's. <laughs> Robert Hayes. Oh, this would have been a good one right here. John Ritter. Okay, yeah. yeah yes, definitely. That. Ed O'Neill. Married with Children. Oh, oh yeah, 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 for sure. <laughs> Jeff Daniels. Jeff Daniels. Uh, oh, come on. Tell me you know who Jeff Daniels is. I probably know who Jeff Daniels Dumb and Dumber. Oh, yeah, for sure. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and Arnold Schwarzenegger. We're all considered <laughs> for the role of Peter McAllister. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Arnold, yes or no? No, I'm going to go no. Because Even I figured, he has because done, I figured if the he, role's not for him, but he but, has done fatherly roles in comedies. And we'll talk about one here in one of the 12 Days of Christmas. Yep. But I don't think you could put somebody that was cast as an action hero like Bruce Willis, Sylvester Stallone, or yeah. Schwarzenegger and put him into this role because – and like especially like Commando with Arnold Schwarzenegger, if somebody oh, does yeah. something to his daughter, you know, or takes his daughter, then he's coming for you. <laughs> and Marvin Her- Harry wouldn't have to worry about anything because they probably wouldn't be alive much longer. Know, so, right? all right, continue on, son. That's like, uh, oh, who's his father? Oh, Liam Neeson. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Can you see? You know what he calls? He's like, hey, yeah. this is the one. Uh, I will find you <laughs> and I will kill you. <laughs> That's it for the. Uh, oh yeah, that was okay. So that was it back for. To uh, yep. Uh, so we are at Catherine O'Hara, who played Kate McAllister. Oh, man, I love her. Uh, Kevin's mother and Peter's wife. And she was uh, also in Beetlejuice. Yes. Beetlejuice. Amazing actress. Beetlejuice. Oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have uh, Robert actress. Blossom uh, playing as Marley, uh, Kevin's elderly neighbor. We have Angela Gothalis as uh, Leon McAllister, Kevin's elder sister. Devin uh, Rittray as Buzz McAllister, Kevin's I like to brother, this movie who too. often gets him into trouble. Uh, so the and he ate his last slice of cheese pizza. <laughs> Kevin ate his pizza. And so uh, there's two actors who were also considered for this role. Uh, one being River Phoenix, and the other being Keanu Reeves. Can you imagine? <laughs> oh, man, That'd be like good a, too. Yeah, it would have. Um, we have uh, Jerry Bamman as Uncle Frank McAllister, Peter's older brother and Kevin's uncle. Uh, Terry Snell is Aunt Leslie McAllister, Kevin's aunt to Uncle Frank's wife. Uh, Hilary Wolf as Megan McAllister, Kevin's eldest sister. Larry Hankin as Officer Balzik. Uh, let's see. We have John Candy as Gus Belinsky. And you know what? Me and, me and Terrence were sitting here and I was going through some notes and I said, John Candy? I was like, John Candy was in this film? And Terrence was like, I don't remember him. <laughs> 
He has a small cameo role in Very this film, and it's an important role. Oh, yeah. And I, I totally forgot about it. Might as well throw out the fact while we're... Well, let me go ahead and yeah. throw out the fact. Well, um, it's when his uh, Kevin's mom's trying to get back home. Yep. And he, she runs into him, and he's a polka player. <laughs> yep. Which he did this role for free. Yeah. And he improvised all of his lines. And it's... Absolutely and I think it's when they're in the back of the truck and he's delivering her, you know what I mean? Yeah. And and, and me and Terrence just sit here and, and listen to the, the clip. It's only about a minute long. Yeah. But to hear him say that <laughs> about going, he's like, yeah, you know, you know, yeah, it's this kind of stuff happens again. You know, he's like, I once left my son at a funeral home. He's like, yeah. He's like, and, she, and he's just like, ah, don't worry, they'll get over it. He's like, you know, six or seven days he would speak again. And all six or seven weeks. Yeah. And she's like, uh, maybe we shouldn't talk about this. He's like, yeah, well, well you brought it up. You know? So this is so perfect. You know what I mean? It's hilarious. Oh, great. Oh, man. All right. So we have, where are we? Uh, Michael C. Uh, Morona as Jeff McAllister, Kevin's older brother. Um, Kristen Minter as Heather McAllister, Kevin's eldest cousin and the daughter of Uncle Bob and Aunt Gertrude. Uh, Diana Campru as Sandra McAllister, Kevin's eldest cousin and second daughter of Frank and Leslie. Uh, Jedediah Cohen as Rob McAllister, Kevin's other cousin and older son of Frank and Leslie. Uh, Karen Coakland as Fuller McAllister. Kevin's youngest cousin and youngest son of Frank and Leslie, uh, Cinta Moses and Tracy McAllister, as Tracy McAllister, Kevin's eldest cousin and eldest daughter of Frank and Leslie. Uh, if you guys are somehow following along with this giant, enormous family. <laughs> uh, Anna Stolsky as uh, Brooke McAllister, Kevin's youngest cousin and youngest daughter of Frank and Leslie. Jeffrey Wiseman as Mitch Murphy, eight-year-old neighbor whom Heather mistakes for Kevin during the head count. Yeah, because he's in their van, yeah. you know, going through the luggage order, <laughs> and she counts him on the head. Uh, da, da, da. Virginia Smith as Aunt Gertrude, uh, Kevin's aunt, wife of Uncle Rob, and mother of Heather and Stefan. Uh, Matt uh, Dorothy as Stefan, Kevin's eldest cousin, son of Rob and Gertrude. Ralph Foodie as gangster number one, Johnny, and angels with filthy souls. Uh, Michael Gudio as gangster number two, snakes, and angel and an uh, angel with filthy souls. Ray Toller as Uncle Rob's Kevin's uncle, the younger brother of Pete and Uncle Frank, the father of Heather and Stefan. Uh, Billy Bird as woman in airport named Irene. Who sells Kate her ticket to Dallas? Bill Irwin as man in airport named Ed, Irene's husband, who agrees to the ticket sale. Then we have uh, Gary Becker as officer number one, Alan Wilder as a Scranton ticket agent, Hope Davis as French ticket agent, and finally Ken Hudson as Cam- uh, Hudson Campbell as Santa. Hey, now one one quick thing. Uh, you know, you're talking about uh, what was the name of the movie that Kevin was watching on two angels with a filthy soul or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's not a real movie. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's completely... It's completely made up for yeah. this movie. And I was like, man, I'd really like to watch that movie. You know what I mean? It's not a real movie. I, I thought it was a real movie when I was a kid so, for a long time. I still... I always, I thought till this day. Hey, today, I was, you know I was, I mean? I was just about to drop the drop uh, the punchline of like, I was today years old when I found <laughs> out. <laughs> so... Um, there, we're we're gonna be there's a lot of stuff for this movie so we're gonna be jumping back and forth through notes talking about the movie and all that so oh, yeah. 
basically what we have is a group of uh, a family that's getting ready to go to Paris for the holidays. How would you like to be that? Fa- hey, we're just going to go out of the country to Paris to celebrate our Christmas. You I don't know, know what jobs they have to do that. Because they I don't have this know. ginormous family, and they're like, yeah, let's do Did you ever see that thing that says, you know, Paris. I wonder what his parents said to afford this house and light, yeah. up the, light up the Christmas lights when even they're not at home to pay the electric bill yeah. and all that? You know what Big I mean? Big house, Christmas lights, trips to uh, Paris. So, but one thing early in the movie you'll notice is that when I think it's Kevin's dad is cleaning off the table, he actually yeah. throws Kevin's plane ticket into the trash. Oh. So that explains throughout the entire movie why there was an extra ticket at the yeah. you know, at the thing and all that because you actually see it. Um, so the director Chris Columbus, <laughs> Christopher Columbus, <laughs> yeah, Chris Columbus sold Steven Spielberg the scripts for Gremlins in 1984 and The Goonies in 1985, Ooh. but his career didn't really take off until the massive success of this film. Well, I wonder wow. why if you're selling those kind of scripts. <laughs> I, know, you know, right? I mean, no wonder it hasn't Give taken it away off. your gold. Uh, so here we go. So they're at home, and the plot of the movie is you have these two henchmen, I'll call them. Uh, <laughs> they're just going around. They're robbing different houses on Christmas, and they decide, hey, we're going to get the McAllisters because he shows up as a police officer. Yep. Uh, Marv, sh- or, yeah, Marv shows up as a police officer. Like, Posing as a police officer. Right. Yeah. And, and if you remember, he smiles. He's got that gold tooth. Yeah. Or filling or whatever. And so he smiles at Kevin, and Kevin's like, ah, oh, he's scared. So he runs back upstairs. So. He sees them all packing everything. He's like, oh, well, we're just going through, the, you know, making sure everybody's safe for the holidays, blah, blah, blah. And so he gets back in there. He's like, oh, yeah, this is going to be good. You know, Harry, he's like, they're going yeah. away. We're going to come back here. He's like, they're leaving tonight or tomorrow, and we're going to, you know. Greenhouse. Right. So they end up, and uh, the big uh, thing happens where Kevin gets in a fight with uh, his mom and his uncle or whatever, and he's like, yeah. I, I wish you all would just disappear. <laughs> yeah. And she sends him up to, like, the attic. You know what I mean? Yeah. Some, she's like, like, you don't really mean that. And he's stuff. like, I do. I do. You know, and he goes <laughs> up there. And she's like, you'll feel really bad if something happens to us one day or whatever. Well, so he goes up there and he falls asleep up there. I guess they forgot. Right. So they forgot about it. So then they go downstairs. They wake up. They wake up late. There's a power outage member. Yeah. And they're all running around. Oh! So, you know, uh, they're all trying to. And this neighbor kid had stuck his head in the luggage. Yep. And uh, the the sister was getting a head count. She counts his head, and then you know the mom and all of them come out, and they wait by to the kid, and blah blah blah. They off. So they're rushing to the airport, and they get on the airplane, and you know they're ah. Oh, you know, <laughs> she's like, I can't get this shake this feeling that we forgot something. <laughs> she's like, and then yeah. you see that scene, Kevin. You know, <laughs> well this time Kevin wakes up and he's like, Mom, Dad, Buzz. <laughs> and he's going around. He goes to all the rooms and everything, and then he's like. Where are you guys? Yeah. And he's like, I made my parents disappear. And then you see, I made my parents disappear. And then he's like, oh, yeah. So then you just see, like, all the foods all over the table and everything, you know, microwave and drink yep. and stuff, cans everywhere, watch a TV. He goes to shave. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? So then, but you could tell after, after one. That iconic scene. Ah, uh, uh, yeah, he puts yeah. the aftershave on. the aftershave. <laughs> Which wouldn't do nothing to him. Exactly. You know, that's even funny. Uh so, but then you start getting the feeling that he's missing his mom and dad. You know what I mean? Because yeah. they're still not home. After the all the hype wears off, he's like, okay. <laughs> yeah. So now uh, Merv and Harry decide to make their grand entrance. You know what I mean? And and uh, you see him like uh, testing the doors or whatever. And he flips on a light or something. And uh, they're like, whoa, whoa. And they take off because they're like, I thought you said they were leaving. It's like, well, they must have changed plans or whatever. So Yeah. 
So now he knows that there's people after him. And the stuff that he does from here on out in this movie. Just the craziest. Like he'll go. He goes to like the drugstore. Uh, you know what I mean? And he buys, he's like, yeah. look. He's like, I'm nine years old. He's like, you think my parents would sit me here by myself to buy this stuff? <laughs> like, I don't know. So he gets all that extra stuff and goes back. And I really like the scene where he sets up like all the cardboard cutouts of like Michael Jordan. Oh, yeah, yeah, The train yeah. going around and people dancing. He's like, <laughs> got the mannequins so dancing and yeah. all that. You know, and they're, like, the they're, like, they're like, what is going on? <laughs> you know, <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, you know, he goes through shenanigans. They try to break in. He does a lot of damage to him. <laughs> we'll just say before his mom and we're going to. Okay, I just wanted right. to just give an overlay. Then yeah. his mom and dad come back. That uh, happy reunion, and then there's a creepy old neighbor that his Buzz has told him that he killed his family because nobody oh, ever comes yeah, to see him. He just seen with his shovel most of the movie scraping the thing, and he just got that evil look on him. You know what I mean? Turns out to be real right. Nasty. So end up with a happy ending. But here we go. The picture Kevin finds of Buzz's girlfriend was a picture of a boy made up to look like a girl because director Chris Columbus thought it would be too cruel to make fun of a girl like that. The boy that was using the photo was the art director's son. Uh, That's funny. Uh, Joe Pesci kept forgetting that he was filming a family movie during his character's on-screen outburst, obviously because he's been playing gangster movies. There's a favorite word of his. Oh, yeah. Uh, that starts with an F, but Chris Columbus told him to say fridge instead. So... Um, the mom in the movie, uh, Catherine O'Hara, she says in a 2014 interview that Macaulay Culkin still calls her mom. I thought that was pretty cool. That is pretty cool. Uh, there's a lot of – it's a John Hughes movie, so there's obviously improvised lines. Oh, yeah, So the improvised line of, you guys give up or are you thirsty for more, was totally improvised by Macaulay Culkin. Nice. Which is pretty good for a nine-year-old kid. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Joe Pesci and Daniel Stern. They could care less about this movie. They were indifferent to the movie, so – uh, during shooting, they they gave over-the-top performances. <laughs> Neither one of them believed this film would become a massive success, but I think that's what made it a success exactly. is because they were over-the-top, especially with their antics and their facial expressions. <laughs> um, let's see here. Uh, Macaulay Culkin actually drew the map that his character uses to set up the traps. Remember the oh, yeah, one yeah, account? I remember that. Yeah. That's cool. Uh, you talked about Some that personal already. Flair. Uh, during a rehearsal, remember Harry attempts to bite uh, Pete Kevin's, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He actually bit him, and he has a, <laughs> says he has a small scar on his hand now. That's funny. Uh, That's really funny. Right. Um, they said when Macaulay Culkin was uh, filming, he was only nine, so when he got tired, he just lay down on set and go to sleep on the ground. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> Why not? that would be Terrence. You'd be talking to him. <laughs> uh, let's see. Um, yeah, John Williams, the great composer, stepped in when the original composer backed out. The filmmakers never thought they could get Williams, but he saw an early cut of the movie and was enchanted. So if John Talk Williams... About a lucky break. Oh, also, this um, is considered a traditional movie, a Christmas movie in Poland. Oh, it is okay. the most popular show during the Christmas season in Poland. Oh, wow. I will say it's like, that, that's a pretty big win. Be like, man, we lost our composer. Well, who'd you get to replace him? Uh, some guy named John Williams. John Williams. Yeah. Some guy, some, they'd even be better. Can you some have, guy named John Can you imagine? Williams. Can you imagine John Williams being like, yeah, I love this movie. And you're like, right? Yeah. As soon as you guys die, I love <laughs> When Kevin finds the Playboy magazine, remember, oh, yeah. he's looking through it, he's like, the pages were actually taped together so he couldn't see anything. That's funny. Any yeah, I thought that was funny. Uh, he was only allowed to work uh, five days or five hours a day because of the child labor yeah, laws. Of course. So uh, the crew planned out the scenes around the schedule, putting him on camera alone a lot. So, oh, okay. Right. I mean, that works when he's the only actor, or you know, in that scene. That, that yeah, that's true. The, there is a legend 
the legend that Elvis Presley actually appears in this movie. Huh. Uh, many of those believe that Elvis is still alive, maintain that the heavily bearded man standing in the background of the scene where my, Mrs. McAllister is shouting at the desk clerk just before she meets John Candy is Elvis. Huh. I like, oh, like to see that. Oh, huh. uh, by the way, one you forgot about Santa Claus in this movie? Chris Farley auditioned for it. Oh, man. <laughs> I can <laughs> I see that. I love That's it. Great. Because Santa's living in a van down by the river. Down <laughs> <laughs> oh, by the river. Uh, that's stupid. You know, one thing I, 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 you know, uh, I think about is, you know that stupid statue they have out in front of the house? Yeah. <laughs> the pizza delivery. It's hit like four or five times. But the pizza delivery guy, I know, nails it twice. Yeah. I think the police offer his, hits it. And there's one more that hits it. Um, the airport shuttle hits it. Oh, yeah. So they all hit the stupid, <laughs> stupid, you know. Just, Man, statue. Uh, yeah, I just thought that was a pretty cool. It was just left in there. <laughs> um, oh, the role of Uncle Frank. I don't know if you hit this. Was uh, Kelsey Grammer? Oh, okay. Audition for it. Uh, the evil furnace in the basement was done by two guys with fishing line and flashlights. You know what's really funny is um, that scene like gave me and like an unnecessary fear of basements. <laughs> Because uh, I was completely fine with basements when I was a kid, and I saw this movie, and I remember um, my grandparents' place. They, they pretty much the only oh, I, some of my other family had basements, but th- those—that's the one I remember. Where like, uh, if I had to go down there and get something, I would hurry up and get it and go. Because like, I saw this movie, and I'm like, oh no, I'm scared of the basement. <laughs> well, that, that, uh, and you see this in a lot of movies now. Um, I think Frailty was one, and I think. Um, Mother was one, which I don't recommend. That movie was terrible. Oh, yeah. Um, what was the other one? Uh, Mr. Mom, when he overloads the laundry. Oh, in there, yeah. And he's down there fighting <laughs> it with the sword. So uh, it's a lot of, lot, of, lot, of, lot, of, lot of movies deal with the evil basement now. Uh, to promote a stronger Christmas feel, red and green are major reoccurring colors in this movie. Kind of like the Sixth Sense yeah. for red. Uh, I think Macaulay Culkin has like a red sweater, yep. sweatshirt he wears all the time. Uh, but it's almost in every scene. The furniture, the clothing, the food containers, and all the wallpaper. So I noticed the wallpaper. Right. Um, Christopher uh, Christopher Columbus. Chris Columbus was previously (laughs) hired by John Hughes to direct National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation in 1989. However, after meeting with Chevy Chase, it became clear to Columbus that the two of them would not get along. So he asked Hughes if there was any other project he could work on instead. Wow. Home Alone was one of those options that was given to him. Interesting. And just when we go through these I've, Christmas I've movies, heard. when we go through these Christmas movies, John Hughes has a lot of these movies. Oh, yeah. A lot of John Hughes' movies are now, Christmas movies. what I find movies. interesting is um, like of the most notable list of uh, – like. I can't work with this actor. Actors, I, I don't think I've ever heard Chevy Chase on that list. So it must just have been like a personal thing. Right. Because you get like some big notable ones like no, like nobody really likes working with Bruce Willis. Right. But he's a great actor, but no one likes working with him. Yeah. But like uh, I, haven't, I haven't heard anything about um, Chevy Chase. So that's interesting. Uh, Joe Pesci once told Entertainment Weekly that Mac is not like a nine-year-old. He's an old man already because I guess he was so professional even at nine years of old. Huh. Oh, his Macaulay Culkin stunt double? He was a very short 30-year-old man. <laughs> Terrence, you have you could have a job. <laughs> I'm not that short or kid-looking. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, the concept of this movie originated during the filming of a scene in Uncle Buck, which Macaulay Culkin plays a character who interrogates a would-be sitter through the letter opening in the front door. Hmm. 
the first scene of this uh, that was filmed was the toothbrush scene. Yep. And the last scene that was filmed was Kevin running through the Waterfield basement. It was at a local high school swimming pool. Huh. Uh, oh, no, it's when Kevin is buying a toothbrush. It was the first one, not the one he was brushing his teeth. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> we're going to talk about some of the stuff that Herb and Marv went through in this, the pain that they <laughs> went through, the facial expressions. But uh, at the end of the movie, when it's snowing outside uh, on Kevin's house, it was actually mashed potato flakes. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> you just sit there with, ah, you know, have your mouth <laughs> wide open. All right, so here we go. Uh, oh, one one other thing. Uh, cinematographer Julio Macat uh, used a Christmas story from 1983 as an inspiration for the look of this film. And hmm, I wonder if that'll be one of the movies we discuss <laughs> later on. Might be. Uh, let's see here. Here we go. The ornaments on which Mars steps on was actually candy. Oh, but you know when you see him step on those because Macaulay Culkin smashes all those and puts them on the ground. Yeah, and he climbs through that window. And he—if you've ever stepped on a Lego or a little piece of glass, and you step on those things, it it changes your life. Oh yeah, <laughs> for sure. And I just cringe every single time I see it. And then he's like, ah, and he starts running through there. And he's oh like, yeah, ah, ah, ah. like, he's like I'm gonna kill you, kid. I'm gonna kill you. <laughs> a lot of the stuff that they go through is just like ooh. But see, by this time he's already he's already barefoot because I think yep. he goes tries to go up the stairs and. He's put tar on the stairs. Yep, that's, that's when his and boots then, get stuck. And then he steps. His sock comes off. And then he steps on that nail. Yeah. And uh, I just feel the pain, man. Yeah. Just, you can just feel it. Uh, let's see here. All right. So, oh, Daniel Stern wore rubber feet for his barefoot scenes, similar to Bruce Willis oh. and John McClane in Die Hard, which, wasn't, which isn't a Christmas movie. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So here we go. Are you ready? Here's some of the stuff that they went through. And uh, ever since the film's release, fans have had quite a suspension of disbelief. Mm. How could a man really be hit square in the face with a steam iron and walk away unfazed? What kind of permanent physical damage would a blowtorch to the head really do? Dr. Ryan St. Clair of the Will Cornell Medical College diagnosed each of the injuries in the film. And here we go. The injury, the BB gun to the forehead. Classic air-powered projectile weapons typically have muzzle velocities of 350 feet per second or less. A BB fired at close range from such a weapon could break through the skin but will not penetrate the skull and is likely to penetrate Harry's scrotum, especially through fabric. (laughs) So there you go. The injury... The iron to the face. I don't care. That is yeah. by that scene. Man, just. Yeah. Uh, let's estimate the, the distance from the first uh, first floor to the basement at 15 feet and assume the steam iron weighs four pounds. And note that iron strikes Marv squarely in the mid-face. Yeah. This is a serious impact with enough force to fracture the bone surrounding the eyes. This is also known as a blowout fracture and can lead to a serious disfigurement and debilitating double vision if not repaired properly. Oh, man. So I think what you're going to come to this once we get through all these is they probably shouldn't be alive. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. The injury, handling a burning hot doorknob. Yeah. The doctor's diagnosis, if this doorknob is glowing visibly red in the dark, it has been heated to about 751 degrees Fahrenheit. And Harry gives it a nice, strong one to two second grip. By comparison, one second of contact with 155 degree water is enough to cause third degree burns. The temperature of that doorknob is not quite hot enough to cause Harry's hand to burst into flames, but it's not that far off. Assuming Harry doesn't lose the hand completely, he will almost certainly have other serious complications, including a high risk for infection and contra- contracture in which resulting scar tissue seriously limits the flexibility and movement of his hand, rendering less than 
useful. Kevin has moved from defending the house into sheer malice, in my opinion. <laughs> that's a great little, that's a great little side comment. The injury, the blowtorch to the scalp. Harry has an interesting reaction to having a lit blowtorch aimed directly at his scalp. Rather than remove himself from danger, he keeps the top of his skull directly in line of fire for about seven seconds. What was likely a simple secondary skin burn is now a full thickness burn, likely to cause necro- necrosis of the calvarium or the skull bone. This means the skin and bone tissue on Harry's skull will be so damaged and rotted that his skull bone is essentially dying and will likely require a transplant. Wow. The injury, walking barefoot on Christmas tree ornaments. Walking on ornaments seems pretty insignificant compared to everything else I've seen so far. If I was Marv, I'd be more concerned about my facial fractures. (laughs) I wouldn't even feel that. I know, right? Uh, the injury, the paint can to the face. Assuming the paint can is fully, roughly ten pounds, or is full and roughly ten pounds, and the rope is ten feet long, Marv and Harry each take a rough, uh, roughly two kilo newton hit to the face. That is easily enough to fracture multiple facial bones. It is probably uh, going to knock you out cold. Also, I wouldn't expect either of the wet bandits to walk away from this with all of their teeth. Yeah, which I don't think he does. No, remember he because loses he loses his, that gold uh, tooth like gold because tooth that's how, yeah, that's how Kevin knows who it is. Uh, the injury, the shovel to the back of the head. Seriously, at this point, Marvin and Harry have both suffered potential crippling hand and foot injuries. Harry has proved to be nearly impervious to burns and both managed to retain consciousness <laughs> after taking a flying paint can straight to the face. Suddenly, a frail elderly man appears and weakly slaps them in turn with a flimsy aluminum Home Depot snow shovel. And somehow this is too much for them and they collapse. The movie was way more believable when I was eight. <laughs> <laughs> so, the only explanation. There you have it from the doctor. Is uh, they're they're going off cartoon physics? It has to be, <laughs> and and it kind of makes you think Daniel Stern was invincible in this movie. I know, this. right? And then just just the way he's like Harry Marv, you know, just the way they talk. He's like, the kid's gonna kill us, <laughs> and 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 you know. And then uh, remember when the, I think when they hit the paint cans and it goes down, and is that where you get, they get tar and feathered too, or is that the so, second yeah. one? I couldn't remember. Yeah. No, you know what? That might be the second one. They're, they're both funny. So long. My favorite. My favorite scene is in the second one. When he's throwing the bricks off the top of the building, oh, he's like, yeah. oh, yeah. you know, he turns and it hits him square in the face <laughs> again, and because he moves out of the way, it hits him yeah. again. Ah, this is one of my favorite scenes. Uh, we talked about that with the plane ticket being out of the way so, uh, in the trash. So um, here's here's one th- rumor: in the original draft of the screenplay, Uncle Frank is revealed as the real villain and as the villain behind the villains and that Harry and Marv are actually working for him and that he hired them to rob the McAllister house and other houses in the neighborhood and also to kill Kevin. Well then, that's I a just deep, got, uh, <laughs> I got dark pretty quick. Right. There's so much more in this movie that we could cover, but yeah. um, like I said, these are just our little Christmas episodes. Keep it light. Yeah. Maybe. So you guys can get them all shoved in so while you're doing your last minute wrapping or Christmas shopping. So, <laughs> Terrence, tell me what you think of Home Alone. Oh, I love this movie. It's a childhood favorite of mine. Um, so last year. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which, like I said before, uh, as a kid, it did spur for just a small chunk of time, but it did spur uh, an unnecessary fear of the basement. <laughs> you say this came out in 1990? Yeah. I was 13. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I was right about that time. You know, we would build like forts and you yeah. know, we'd, back then we didn't have internet, kids. You know, we was actually outside most of the day. Uh, but me and my cousin, we would build forts. You know, you whatever you get your hands on. Like my grandpa Pretty would have much, wood yeah. laying around. We'd take it out there and try to build stuff up, you know, uh, traps, whatever we could think of. So great movie. Oh, yeah, for sure. Definitely one I enjoy. I could sit and watch this. When he goes on the attack and just... It's great. 
and then you think they're going to catch it. But then, to me, it comes full circle at the end of the movie when he gets reunited with his mom, remember? Because yep. he goes to church. He's like, yeah. I, I, I just want my parents back. And she's like, Kevin? He's like, Mom? And you see him run to each other, you know what I mean? It's yeah. just one of the most touching movies. And then the underlying, I guess, subplot is the old man that you come to find out. He didn't kill his family. He just he, he has a serious talk with Kevin about him and his son don't talk anymore. And Yeah. But, hey, he's like, I'm going to call him and invite him up for Christmas. And then at the end of the movie, you see once Kevin's parent and family gets home, you know, he looks out the window and you see him, his son and his granddaughter and his wife had all come back yeah. and he gives him a hug. And then you see him and Kevin make that eye contact, you know what I mean? And you're just like, melt cool man. on how, like, both movies hit on that premise of, like, don't judge a book by its cover, mm-hmm. basically. Uh, and don't wish for things you really don't want to happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Kevin, what you wish for, kids. Yeah. That's funny. So definitely a great – it's a 10 out of 10 in my book. Definitely oh, yeah. sit down and watch. If you haven't – if for some reason you've been living under a rock and have not watched this movie, give it a watch. I love it. I laugh it's, it's so – It's another classic just, Christmas movie. I was, laugh so hard. Yeah. yeah. So hard in this movie it's, that it's, – now it's definitely slapstick, so I, I guess that would be the biggest thing. Is if um, I wouldn't even call it slapstick. It is though. You think so? It is like yeah. just because of, like, it's all not like Mel Brooks you, slapstick. No, though. it's not Mel Brooks. It's more of a family. It's, it's comedy. It has like you know those those slapstick elements, which is like uh, you know when it comes to I guess physical hurt humor. <laughs> that would be the only way to like explain it because um, I, I know so, there are some people who. Uh, don't find that funny, if that well, makes sense. Well, I was going to say, I know there's some people that probably don't like this movie because it shows, promotes violence, I guess, yeah, I kids' guess. violence. But I was like, <laughs> come on. It's a movie. Yeah. They were robbers. They were trying to steal from him. You know, like, What do you want him to do? Uh, yeah, but I would say definitely check it out. Yeah, it's great. It's it, gets, it gets two tragedies up in this, this group. One for me, one for you. Yeah. Unless you're giving it a half tragedy, you know. Oh, no, we'll, we'll give it two full tragedies. Two full tragedies to watch. So, but I a, think a whole score of two out of two. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so um, that we're coming down to the end of this episode. So I need to look and see real quick while Terrence uh, wrangles on for a minute to see what the next movie is. Yeah. So. Um, Hope you guys are enjoying the second episode. <laughs> so, Terrence is way to, way to stall time, Terrence. Way to stall time. So, okay. So, be prepared for tomorrow when we talk about a Charlie Brown's Christmas. Another one of my uh, yes. favorites. Uh, so, Super episode three will be classic. a Charlie's Brown Christmas. Um, so, thanks for... Terrence, you're going to need some, some more stall tactics, but that didn't help Yeah, at all. no, I wasn't really expecting it. I'm also, like, half asleep, so that can <laughs> How's that different than any other episode we do, right? Then let's say three-fourths. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, that, more than usual. I think that's a wrap. And that being said, we're coming to a close. And, and cut. cut.